Staying in Contact. I'm London Mitchell. Autism. For many parents, that diagnosis for a child can be frightening, certainly mystifying, and certainly not anything we should face alone. There is help for parents through ASNO, the Autism Society of Northwest Ohio. In this installment, I chat with ASNO's Executive Director, Kate Schwartz. Stephen Short, an amazing um, author and professor and person with autism, says if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. Because autism is a different flavor, a different look, a different response in every single person. I can tell you, Lon, that I have two kids on the spectrum. I have Emily, who is 19, and Michael, who is 16. And both of my children are polar opposites of each other. One presents in a way that is more um, internal with anxiety and depression and ADHD. And the other is the, the kid that is, um, you know, kicking trash cans and explosive and is really struggling with emotions. And, and it's an externalizing of those emotions. So really, truly, when you've met one person with autism, you've met just that one person with autism. Now, there are some common characteristics um, especially, you know, in younger children, like the not responding to name, avoiding eye contact, um, not necessarily smiling or that joint attention span, um, that response to, you know, exuberance, those kinds of things, um, different sounds, different textures, um, different stimuli can, can have a different, um, response than what somebody who is neurotypical would be. Um, I can tell you for my, my own children, um, I had one that loved to be cuddled and one that didn't. He, Michael did not want anybody to touch him, did not want anybody to interact with him. And is very content to, to stare at a mobile a lot. Um, that echolalia of repeating phrases or scripted language. Um, we have a friend whose daughter talks to us in Disney songs. And I love it because it exposes me to more, more and more Disney and more and more happiness. And it is a way for her to communicate with us. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, you could have somebody who isn't verbal, who's unable to communicate, and may use a, a speaker or a talking device as an alternative augmentative communication device. So iPad with a, with a talking app on it, and that's how they communicate. And then you have, you know, even, even further on the spectrum of people that, you know, may or may not be able to use an AAC device. And so I think it's really important that we talk about the fact that we always presume competence and that we're always kind. Because even if someone may not be able to, to verbalize how they're feeling inside, they can still hear you. And those emotions are really, really important. And also, you know, I think a, a, a huge component of autism is behavior is always communication, always. So if something is different, if something has changed and, you know, either somebody withdraws into themselves or, or is explosive, those are behaviors. That's communication in itself. Some of the signs that you're going to look for in older children is, you know, that um, 
theory of mind piece where they're not understanding that somebody else has an opinion or somebody else has um, a differing, you know, thought process, that unusual speech, um, a keen interest in certain subjects. I can tell you, um, you know, especially young kids like to line things up. Um, I always bring it back to my kids because I feel like that gives you a good insight into a family of, of someone that has kids with autism. In, in our house, you can't touch the fort. If you touch the fort, it is game on for meltdowns, frustration, um, a response that is not positive for anyone. So if you go into my 16-year-old's room, he has built a fort around his bed. And you don't touch the bed, you don't touch the fort, you don't touch any piece of that because that's his space. We have pictures um, from when, you know, kids were little and, and, and every stuffed animal was lined up and every toy was lined up in a very particular line and you knew that you couldn't touch it until you touched it. But you also knew that... Um, that piece of behavior is teaching young children and teaching children the fact that they have to expect the unexpected. And, and that's, a, that's a process that is still continuing today. And that is a process that is really important because life does not line itself up ever consistently. You mentioned, you mentioned Katie, that if you meet one child with autism, you've met one child with autism from what you've said if you met one child one parent who has a child with autism you've met one parent because it would appear you the parent are in an ongoing learning process and then the burden is on you to really figure out how to run your household in a really unique way Absolutely, Lon. You just hit the nail on the head. Um, it's it's ever changing. It's ever evolving. The way that we interacted with our children when they were younger is not the same way that we interact with them as as teenagers and young adults. And so, it is an ever evolving process. But I think one of the biggest components of that ever evolving process is we didn't get here. On our own. We didn't get here um, in a vacuum. There have been mentors, there have been peers, there have been support groups along the way that have been critical to not only my child's development, but also my development as a parent, my development as a person, my development as an advocate. And it's not we don't just survive by ourselves or we could just survive by ourselves, but if we really want to thrive, it's going to take others. I often say um, it takes a village. I, 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 I tell people, you know, go find your people, go find your people, go find the people that understand the things that you're going through so that you can have supports. And it's more than just not having the conversation with neurotypical parents of, oh my gosh, this is really overwhelming. Because 
somebody that hasn't walked in your shoes may not understand all that you're facing. And I, I have found it um, personally really, really important to find the people that understand. My whole social network is special educators from college. And then when my child started to, you know, show symptoms of having a developmental disability and sometimes an intellectual disability, I had to find the people that understood where I was. I had to find the, the parents that understood where I was going, that I wanted my child to have the best life possible. And to do that, we had to figure out the best way to interact the best way to, you know, curb some not so positive behaviors, to find the people that would understand where we were coming from and also understand where we wanted to go. Kate Schwartz is the executive director of ASNO, the Autism Society of Northwest Ohio. I'm London Mitchell. There are support groups for parents of children with autism, and many are run by ASNO. We do. Um, ASNO has, we in, in the past year have started um, three different groups. We have um, a group that meets at Savania Plainland, and that is usually on a Wednesday. And it is, you know, birth to 14. And, you know, it's, it's a bunch of parents that get together that understand what you're going through. Because I'm one person, I have one experience, but a consortium of people will have different experiences that know about different supports, that know about different items that can help families. And at the end of the day, those are the people that help. I can tell you when my kids were younger that I got the most support from other parents. And it wasn't a formal support group. It was in the waiting room at a therapy center. A shout out to Maureen Kane Wineland at Rehab Dynamics, who you know brought everybody together at the time, and we would just bounce ideas off of each other. The, the whole premise behind a support group is just that: it's to bring like-minded people together that might have different ideas. Hey, I tried this feeding therapy with my kiddo or I tried this therapy, or we got into this clinic very quickly, or we got assessed here really quickly. It's all of those little things that help you on a day-to-day -day basis, or, oh my gosh, I'm really struggling today. Can you just sit with me? And there's, there's value in being there for another person in their time of need, because it might be tomorrow that uh, that parent might need somebody to sit with them. So it's really, really nice and really cool to watch these friendships develop over time and to watch the um, ability of those relationships to grow. In addition to the Savannah Playland, we also have a teen group that is ran by a parent volunteer and is growing also. We have done Halloween party, urban air, um, bowling, all kinds of fun. We in November went to you know ceramics place and painted ceramics, and all of this is covered by ASNO. 
there's no fee and no cost requirement to parents. And that's really, really important to us because we don't want somebody to not be able to join in and not be able to participate based on their ability to pay. Talk to me about you, Katie, and, and the effect it's had working, working with all these support groups. How has this affected you as, a, as an individual, now as the leader of ASNO? It actually expands my social network. It expands the people that, um, I often say when you come into my life, you come into my life. I, I'm, I'm not very great at boundaries. And so, um, you know, a, a lot of times people will, you know, add me on Facebook and, and, and I'm blunt, you know, um, we take pictures of, you know, our, our mac and cheese obsession because my kid goes on a food jag. And so um, that's what he's eating this week. And so we went to a couple of different grocery stores looking for Stouffer's mac and cheese. And here's the great part is that some of those parents say, if I see it, I will let you know. And that I think is the biggest component of not only being a leader of this organization, but knowing what it's like to have, to also be supported and to also have people that, you know, even people that I've only come in contact with a couple of times, I like watching out for us and taking care of us. And it, those little things are really the big things of life. Spending time with others and, and having those reciprocal relationships are really critical. But it also warms my heart to know that the work that I'm putting out into the universe is coming back tenfold to my own family. So it's it's not it's not just the Facebook relationships, it's the the phone calls, it's the, um, it goes all, it's always back to the relationships and, and the fact that we get to grow and grow our, our network of people that, that care about us and, and want to see us succeed. You are a very remarkable individual, Katie. And uh, it's my pleasure to know you and, and so many of the other families that I've met over the past three decades and more working uh, working in the developmental disabilities field. Tell me if, if individuals listening to us would like more information about ASNO, the Autism Society of Northwest Ohio, how can they get that? How can they join in? ASNO.org, um, www.asno.org. And we have all kinds of really, truly all kinds of resources on there. My cell phone, my personal cell phone is on our website. And there's a reason for that, because emergencies don't happen between eight and five. The great part is, is that I'm not beholden to other rules of other, um, that some of the other, you know, helper organizations have. And so it was really important to me to come at this from a parent's perspective, because people took my phone calls at 10 o'clock at night when I had a crisis. And so I want parents to be able to have that ability. I love what I do, Lon. I love it. It shows. It shows. I sure hope so. Kate Schwartz is the executive director of the Autism Society of Northwest Ohio. Find out more at their website, asno.org. I'm London Mitchell inviting you to join us next week. Staying in contact.